I've taken the time to study the all 22 coaches film from the Buffalo Bills week three win over the Washington Commanders, and I'm going to share my top takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, it's time for one of my favorite episodes that we do every single week, the All-22 Review. I spent Monday morning diving into this Bills win over the Commanders, and I want to share the things that really stood out to me from studying the tape. As I mentioned every week, I love immediate reaction. It's a fun thing to do, but when you can dive into the tape, you really get the answers and you can speak with full clarity on exactly what went down. And so some of the things I want to talk about today on the podcast are, first of all, why was the pass protection so good for Josh Allen? Why didn't pass catchers not named Stefan Diggs make more plays? Of course, we'll have some other offensive notes and offensive snap counts. Then I want to get into the why behind the five takeaways. And it's fun to look at all of those and consider some of the trends behind why the Bills were able to force so many turnovers. I want to talk about why the Bills' pass rush was so effective, some defensive notes, some defensive snap counts, and, of course, studs and duds. Let's start with the Bills' offense and why the pass protection for Josh Allen was so good in this football game. And the Bills faced a really good Washington front, a Washington front that is talented, four first-round picks, and they had 10 sacks in the previous two games entering week three. Well, Josh Allen wasn't sacked, and he wasn't hit. Pretty incredible. A great job. So why did this happen? Well, it starts with guys up front, the Bills' offensive line, winning one-on-one battles. There's other things that we'll get into. Good scheme, good anticipation. But guys up front won one-on-one battles. That's what it really comes down to. Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse, Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown, they met the moment. They were able to shut down Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. So let's start there. Guys up front won one-on-one battles. And I think this week, while I'll get into Spencer Brown and I'll talk about some of the help that he had, I thought Spencer Brown played really good football. Thought he was controlled and coordinated. He's continuing to use his length. Effectively, he's continuing to play with better leverage, sinking his hips, using the ground to anchor and use his mass to his advantage. That's showing up more and more with Spencer Brown. So last week I talked about his matchup against Max Crosby and how I thought the Bills really helped him a ton. And... uh, When he didn't have help, there was still a lot of questionable reps against Max Crosby. I think in this game, he did well to use his help, but also did much better 
playing one-on-one when he was tasked with playing one-on-one. Let's get into some of the protection schemes. I thought Ken Dorsey did a good job with his protection schemes and when to use extra blockers and when not to. The Bills definitely dialed up some six and seven man protection schemes. You know, typically your offensive line is five players. There's five man protections, but then you can keep guys in. You can, at the expense of eligible receivers down the field, you can keep them in the block. And the Bills had a fair amount of six and seven man protection schemes in this game. And I thought when they were timed, or excuse me, when they were called, was very effective in terms of timing, anticipating when. Washington was going to dial up some pressure looks when they were going to try to overload some sides. I feel like the Bills had the right calls at the right times in terms of protection schemes. And a lot of those protection schemes were in place to help Spencer Brown, which I can greatly appreciate, right? That's your weak link in pass protection. Don't ask him to go out there and just go one-on-one all day long because that's setting him up to fail. And I think in the past, the Bills have done that. Well, now they're playing with a lot better awareness to Spencer Brown, and they're scheming around some of his issues in pass protection. And a lot of the stuff that they did last week by kind of keeping in somebody outside of him to help and then releasing the routes, you saw some of that. But it was a little bit more creative. There was layers added to it this week where Latavius Murray was involved with some of that. Trent Sherfield was involved with some of that. Of course, the tight ends, Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, And so you did that, but you used different personnel at times, but you also did it on both sides. And so by tightly aligning tight ends, receivers, running backs on both sides, you put them, when I say them, the defense in a little bit more conflict because you're aware of this possibility of them staying in and helping and then releasing, right? So that affects their processing. It affects their vision that they play with on defense, but also you really elongate that path to the quarterback, right? By introducing that extra player outside your tackle and their defensive ends, their edge rushers aligning outside of it. Now they have further to go to get to the quarterback. It's all good stuff to help with your protection schemes. But I thought the biggest wrinkle this week was using David Edwards in that capacity. They played David Edwards as an inline tight end on 10 snaps against Washington. And David Edwards, a reserve offensive lineman, I've said multiple times, I think he's an NFL starting guard. thought he was a good player for the Rams, and the Bills are very lucky to have him as a backup. And he's only here on a one-year deal, and I think they're finding value with David Edwards by playing him as this inline tight end, something that they did in the past with Bobby Hart. They did it in the past with Tommy Doyle. And it looks like David Edwards is the guy to do it for this team. And it makes a lot of sense. David Edwards was a high school quarterback that went to Wisconsin to play tight end. And fairly early in his career at Wisconsin, he transitioned to playing right tackle. And so David Edwards gets to Wisconsin as this 215-pound quarterback, and he put on 60 pounds his first year, and then, of course, continued to grow. Wind up being a draft pick and a starting NFL player that the Bills are able to use as a reserve. But all in all, a good candidate for this role as the extra blocker, the inline tight end, whatever you want to call it. And so they were able to use him. And the Bills would slide Spencer Brown inside, have him helping with Osiris Torrance, and David Edwards was kind of on an island with the tight end at times in pass protection. So kind of building off of what they did last week against the Raiders, there were some additional wrinkles and new ways to dress it up this week, which 
obviously helped with the pass protection. Thought Ken Dorsey did a good job with some moving pockets. He did a very good job of tying the protection schemes to the run schemes. And so you had a lot of the different looks that the Bills like to run the ball with, a lot of pullers, and you're passing the football from those looks. And so you're tying that all together, and that's a good scheme because it really prevents the Washington defensive line from pinning their ears back and selling out to rush the passer because the same looks that they're getting in the run game, they're getting in the pass game, right? And so that makes it difficult for you as a defensive lineman to read the set and go, right? You Pass rush is about getting off the football and and rushing. Well, if the pass looks look a lot like the run looks, it makes it difficult to get that quick read and get off the ball quickly. And so I think at the end of the day, you have good scheme from Ken Dorsey and Aaron Cromer and really good execution and guys winning one-on-one. Very encouraging week, right? I talked last week. You just had to deal with Max Crosby. That was it. How do you evolve this week against a deeper, more talented pass rush group? And I thought the Bills absolutely met the moment. So very, very encouraged with the Bills protection schemes. And if you remember, one of the things that I talked about during the lead up to this season, as there was so much concern about the Bills offensive line and protecting Josh Allen, I said, look, I know it was sometimes guys losing one-on-ones, but I thought the Bills' protection schemes failed last year more than it was guys just getting beat on blocks. I'm happy to say that through three weeks, I feel like they've really ironed out a lot of their protection schemes, and they have good ones, and they're calling them very effectively to this point. And so there you have it. We just spent like nine minutes talking about pass protection, but I love it, man. That's This is fun conversation. So uh, in just a moment, we're going to talk about the pass catchers not named Stefan Diggs and why they didn't make more plays. Uh, but first, I do need to tell you about Nutrafol. Folks, you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of hair thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. And for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. You can find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men, and enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. Again, that's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. All right, folks, let's get into this offense a little bit more and why pass catchers not named Stefan Diggs didn't make more plays in this game. And so Josh Allen throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs, 8 of 12, 111 yards, 9.25 yards per attempt. You like that. What you don't like is when he didn't target Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen was, was 8 of 12 for 107 yards, and that's 5.35 yards per attempt. Not very good. So why did this happen? I have some observations from studying the film. I, I And I'll go in order of different things that I think contributed to it. I don't know that any one is more than the other, but these are some of the contributing factors. First of all, I think Josh said no on a few occasions. Turndowns. What I mean by that is 
when he's working through his progressions and he has the opportunity to throw the ball to somebody not named Stefan Diggs and they're open, sometimes Josh Allen didn't pull the trigger. And I don't think this was Josh's best game in terms of consistent decision-making. And I don't mean by, I don't mean decision-making in terms of putting the ball in harm's way or not putting the ball in harm's way. I mean, when to pull the trigger based on progressions, right? I never do this deal where I watch a play and I push pause and I look at the defense and I say, oh, that guy's open, right? There's a, there's a, a, a concept involved, right? There's where you start your eyes, what you're looking at, and why you would make decisions. I think there were times where Josh had the opportunity to throw the ball to players not named Stefan Diggs, and he didn't rip it, okay? So I think that started that, – that's probably one of the biggest contributing factors. Now, he laced – Josh laced some big-time throws in the game. He didn't play bad, but there were opportunities that he could have thrown to other guys, and he didn't do it. Uh, number two, I think there were some missed opportunities when other guys were targeted. I think about the first throw of the game, that little flat pass to Dalton Kincaid. If that's a better throw from Josh, I think Kincaid can get a decent chunk of yards, and that changes the early rhythm of the passing game. Instead, the ball came out a little bit heavy from Josh's hands. It was behind Dalton Kincaid. He has to adjust to it. Now he's not in good position to create after the catch, and he has to break a tackle for a very modest gain. If he catches that the way he's supposed to because the throw's better, you know, I think he probably could have got seven, eight yards. And so I think some of that stuff takes away from your rhythm and your trust a little bit. Uh, Trent Shurfield, he couldn't win a contested catch when he was leveraged earlier in the game. Gabe Davis had three situations where he was leveraged at the catch point and couldn't finish in a situation where there was some contact around him. And so I think, you know, Josh said no on a few occasions and guys when they had a chance to make plays didn't, right? Even Dawson Knox on that, that shot to the end zone. You'd like to see him perhaps haul that one in. There was other situations where guys were covered, knocks again over the middle, Deontay Hardy over the middle. And so I think those guys just weren't necessarily winning. And Josh was like, I'm going to throw the ball to 14 because that guy wins. So I think a little bit of that happened in this game. I think also the moving pockets, we talked about that in pass protection as why the Bills were so effective shutting down this Washington pass rush. Well, when you move the pocket, sometimes that narrows the field down a bit, which can take away some options. And then the last thing I'll say is credit Washington. They were really sound in coverage in this game. They had good zone communication. They played coverage. They dropped seven. And so there's seven guys in, in, in coverage. And like I talked about, the Bills used a fair amount of six and seven man protections. And so that means you only have three, four guys sometimes out in routes. And so I think all of that contributed to the lack of production in the passing game for the Bills outside of Stephon Diggs. A couple of uh, offensive notes I want to get to here, or really just one. Um, some of the run game stuff that I talked about coming out of the Jets game, where I thought there were some timing and communication issues, particularly with Connor McGovern and Mitch Morse, I think that showed up again in this game, where I think the Bills could have had a lot more rushing production, but some timing and communication issues between those two guys, once again, uh, led to unblocked defensive linemen, uh, poor leverage. I think there were some, a couple of occasions where maybe the Bills running backs didn't read the leverage of blocks correctly. And one thing that I'll say about running backs, part of being a good running back is making your blocks right in front of you. And I could count at least one James Cook carry and at least one Damian Harris carry where I felt like they read the leverage wrong and uh, could have worked to an adjacent gap 
and and instead they ran into a leveraged guy in a gap and and really didn't maximize those touches. So uh, I thought the run game overall was productive and good. I'm mostly happy with it, but I think between two misreads by the Bills running backs, in addition to some timing issues with McGovern and Morse, um, led to maybe some plays not being as productive as they could have been. In addition to Osiris Torrance, not his best game as a run blocker. Um, and, and that's to be expected. I mean, Deron Payne, John Allen are really, really dynamic interior players. Um, but I thought there was some meat on the bone, if you will, for the Bills rushing offense in this game. And some of the things that looked like they were corrected against the Raiders kind of popped up again in this ball game. All right, let's get to some offensive snap counts here. I'd love to give you this data. I know that a lot of you guys enjoy it. Uh, 68 offensive plays for the Bills. Osiris Torrance and Spencer Brown played all of them. And then the rest of the offensive line, again, 68 plays. Connor McGovern, 63. Mitch Moore, 60. Deion Dawkins, 59. David Edwards, 15. Ryan Vandemark, 9. And Ryan Bates, 8. At quarterback, Josh Allen, 57 of 68 plays. Kyle Allen was in for 11. At running back, James Cook, 42 snaps. Latavius Murray, 17. Damian Harris, 9. And then fullback, Reggie Gilliam, 10. And then real quick here on James Cook, he's up to 54 touches on the season through three games. It puts him on pace for 306. And so I'll I'll be certainly tracking that throughout the course of the season. At tight end, Dawson Knox, 41 snaps. Dalton Kincaid, 35. Quentin Morris, 19 snaps. Uh, Quentin Morris on the field for 28% of the Bills' offensive snaps. And I'm guessing some of that maybe plays into Dawson Knox and the injuries that he was working through this week because there were some instances where Quentin Morris was playing in line and was a play side blocker, was a puller at times, and he fared well. I thought Quentin Morris really kind of met the moment as a blocker in this game and kind of a a role that maybe if you didn't study it, you wouldn't have noticed it. But a little hat tip to Q Morris for stepping in and doing some physical things as a blocker, particularly in the run game. And then at wide receiver, uh, Gabe Davis, 52 snaps, Stefan Diggs, 45, Trent Sherfield, 31, Khalil Shakir, 16, and Deontay Hardy, 13. And so there's your offensive all 22 breakdown. In just a moment here, we're going to flip our attention to the defensive side of the football. Talk about the takeaways, the pass rush. We'll get the studs and duds and all of that. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's simply no better time than right now to get in on this action. Folks, the app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, which I love. I love the player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, let's get into these defensive takeaways, and I want to start with the turnovers. Okay, the Bills came away with five turnovers defensively in this ball game. And I want to get into the why behind them because I think there's some fun stuff to get into. It's not just Terrell Bernard made a great play breaking on the ball or Micah Hyde did that or Trey White did that. There's so many things that goes into it, and I want to bring those to the attention here so we can see some trends and realize it, it's a little bit more than just a guy making a play. It is definitely a guy making a play, but there's a lot of guys that made a play, and there's usually a good play call behind it that leads to it. So I want to want to spread out some love here uh, as to why these turnovers happened. 
So the first one was Terrell Bernard's interception, a third and 19 play. Washington's in a three-by-one set, so three receivers to the right, one receiver to the left. And on this rep, you get good pressure from A.J. Epinesa and Daquan Jones. That's very important. But uh, Terrell Bernard and Teron Johnson, I think uh, – excuse me, not Terrell Bernard. Uh, Jahan Dotson and De'Ami Brown, those are two of the three players in the three-by-one, uh, along with a tight end. So a tight end runs the flat route, and then you have Dotson and Brown uh, pushing vertical, right? Trying to run vertical routes. They, they got to get to, got to get twenty yards to get a first down in the play. And so, a very good job by Terrell Bernard to let the flat route break because he's not the flat defender like Taron Johnson was. He buzzed down and took care of that route. So now you have two eligibles, right, that you're dealing with to your side. Dotson is selling vertical and. and Bernard does a very good job of staying leveraged on that vertical stem and then squeezing the route before he passes it off. And then from there, he understands where De'Ami Brown is coming on an in-breaking pattern. He feels that in-breaking pattern as he's reading the backfield, and then he makes an athletic play to pick off the pass. So why did this happen? Three things. Complimentary pass rushing coverage, so credit. Daquan Jones and A.J. Epinesa for their pass rush. Great awareness and instincts by Terrell Bernard. And then, of course, the athleticism to finish. So good overall awareness and instincts. Good complimentary pass rushing coverage. Micah Hyde had an interception. That was the second one. What happened here? Well, I think started with a great rush look. This was a simulated pressure on this play that Micah Hyde picked off the pass. We talked a lot about simulated pressures this offseason and how they can really be a benefit to this defense. Well, a simulated pressure allows this play to happen for Micah Hyde. The Bills wind up rushing three to the left of the center. So the offensive left, the defensive right of the center. So they actually drop Leonard Floyd in coverage. They send Matt Milano. And Ma- Matt Milano coming and rushing the B-gap forces Charles Leno, the left tackle, to block down. You have to block down because when you're an offensive lineman, the inside threat you always take care of first. And so Matt Milano threatening the B-gap and rushing the B-gap forces Charles Leno to block down. And all of a sudden, A.J. Epinesa on the outside is a free rusher. He has a free run at the quarterback. And so Epinesa is crashing in on Sam Howell, and Howell can't follow through into the throw. He leaves the ball inside in a spot where Micah Hyde can go break on the ball. And so a great play by Micah Hyde on the ball, but that was set up by a great defensive play call with a simulated pressure. And then how it was executed, that led to the ball being in a spot where Micah Hyde can go make a play. So a lot of good things here. Starts with a great play call, great execution, Epinesa getting that free run, and then, of course, Micah Hyde finishing. Number three was Trey White's interception. Second and eight from the 30. The commander's motion into a two-by-two set, and that starts with good communication from Terrell Bernard and Taron Johnson. They... Send the Washington sends the back on a route away from the motion. So they motion to the right and then they send a running back to the left. And so you get a push call from Terrell Bernard to Teron Johnson, which is significant because Sam Howell's eyes start to that side. But the Bills adjust immediately at the snap to make a great adjustment that forces Sam Howell's eyes to work back to his right away from the motion where I think they wanted to go with the football. And so then you have good pressure from from Shaq Lawson in Howell's face, which takes some of the velocity off of the pass. 
And then Trey White is playing outside in. He undercuts the route and makes a play. So why does this happen? Communication from Terrell Bernard and Taron Johnson. Pressure by Shaq Lawson. And a great finish by Trey White. Then you have the Terrell Bernard fumble recovery. Well, let's talk about this play. Why did it happen? Screen recognition. That was a problem in the first two games of the season. They were not recognizing screens. Wasn't the case against Washington. Tim Settle, it it recognizes it right away and kind of traces the running back and probably should have tackled him for a loss, but he missed the tackle. But between Tim Settle, Taron Johnson, Terrell Bernard, and Matt Milano, they all sensed the screen and put themselves in position to make a tackle. And now Antonio Gibson made a couple guys miss before ultimately fumbling, and I guess Taron Johnson kind of knocked the ball out. But you had nine guys around the ball. Good things happen defensively when you get guys running to the football. And right when right when Taron Johnson closes in on Brian Robinson, I paused the screen and I counted nine Bills defensive players within a couple yards of Brian Robinson. And that's a good thing to see because the screen recognition against the Jets and the Raiders was bad. So good, a good adjustment this week. So why did it happen? Screen recognition and effort. And then the last thing is A.J. Epinesa's interception. This was another simulated pressure. You had eight Bills defenders on the line of scrimmage at the snap. And the Bills wind up sending four and dropping four. And they actually drop A.J. Epinesa and they send Matt Milano. And then Sam Howell winds up climbing the pocket and working to his left. He has Dotson on a crosser. And as he's rolling to his left, he tries to drop a touch pass over Epinesa, who's actually in coverage. But as the outside player, he buzzes down on Howell while Howell's working to his left. And, of course, Epinesa gets his hands up and picks off the ball. And I mean, Epinesa's 6'5 with 34 and a half inch arms. It's hard to fit that ball over that guy. And then Matt Milano and Shaq Lawson, credit to them for getting out ahead as lead blockers and making sure that Epinesa can get in the end zone for a pick six. But why does this happen? Simulated pressure. A.J. Epinesa making a play that Sean McDermott put him in position to make. Love seeing it. Love seeing it. So wanted to break down those turnovers and get get into why it happened because you can see there's a lot of layers to these plays uh, that make them possible. So why was the Bills' pass rush so effective in this game? Nine sacks. Nine sacks for the Bills' defense. The first time in Bills' history that four players had multiple sacks in the same game. The Bills were the first team since the Dallas Cowboys in 1985 with nine sacks and four interceptions in a single game. Pretty historic performance. Sam Howell was pressured on 27 of 39 dropbacks, 69.2%. The Bills had 15 quarterback hits. How did this happen? Well, good pressure looks, good simulated pressures, pressure coming from multiple directions, coordinated pass rush, guys playing off of each other. This is something I talked about with Jerry Hughes. I think Jerry Hughes is an extremely underrated player and underappreciated player in the history of the Buffalo Bills. And I talked for a long time about Jerry Hughes and how he's winning, he's getting pressure, but nobody else is getting pressure. Nobody else. And so when only one guy gets pressure, it doesn't matter because the quarterback can can step up or step away from that pressure. But when pressure's coming from multiple places, the quarterback has nowhere to go. That's what happened against Washington. 
You had four dudes rushing together as one. It was coordinated. And guys were winning from multiple angles. And I think a lot of it starts with Ed Oliver, folks. Ed Oliver's ability to create that initial penetration, and guys know how to play off of it, the edge rushers and and the interior guys. Kind of pinball off of each other, understand where their space is going to be. And they're, I mean, they're making plays. And so I think that's what it really comes down to. Guys winning one-on-one battles, but rushing together, four guys rushing together, it was a beautiful display of that. And you also had a quarterback in Sam Howell that will hold on to the football. We talked about this, but this was also, for Sam Howell, the fastest trigger he's had in his four career starts. Average time to throw against the Bills was 2.82 seconds. Last week against Denver, 2.91. Week one against Arizona, 2.96. Week 18 of 2022 against Dallas, 2.86. And so Sam Howell played with the quickest trigger of his career. But the Bills were sound in coverage. They made him work progressions and move his eyes. And that allowed the pass rush to get home. So you had a beautiful marriage between the pass rush and the coverage working together to allow both to make plays, right? You had interceptions. You had sacks. That's how you dial it up, folks. A couple other defensive notes here. I don't think this was Matt Milano's best game. Uh, Three missed tackles. He's missing over 20% of his tackles again this year. Like, I I've, I love Matt Milano. Don't get me wrong. But the guy just continues to miss too many tackles. He He's certainly active and around the football and all that, but I want to see, see some of these missed tackles cleaned up. I mean, 20% is too much, way too much. Three missed tackles on the game. Ed Oliver, dude is balling out. Rushing the passer, but also his run defense. The way he's splitting double teams is special this year, and he's playing with great leverage and really making an impact. I mean, that contract's looking pretty good for for Brandon Bean anticipating this and and Oliver's delivering. I also think this was uh, Jordan Poyer's best game of the season for sure. I was nervous about Poyer those first two games, but he played a lot more instinctive, uh, took good angles, made some physical tackles. Definitely Jordan Poyer's best game, and that's going to be important going into this Miami game next week. Uh, One other little nugget here on the defensive side of the football that kind of popped to me as I'm enjoying Terrell Bernard become this outstanding playmaker for the Bills defense in ways that I never anticipated. We got to give Bobby Babich some flowers here. Uh, Babich is a young coach for the Bills, was the assistant DB's coach in 2017. Then he coached the safeties from 2018 to 2021. He switched to linebackers in 2022. And so he had a firsthand role in developing Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer into an elite safety pair. And then he switches to linebacker in 2022. And objectively, that was best the best season for Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. And now he's continuing to work with the linebackers, and all of a sudden Terrell Bernard can play? Bobby Babich is a heck of a coach. Look at the results from the guys he's coaching, and it's really, really good. Defensive snap counts, uh, 54 defensive snaps for the Bills in this game. Uh, on defensive end, Greg Rousseau played 30 snaps. Leonard Floyd, 26. A.J. Panessa, 25. Shaq Lawson, 20. Kingsley Jonathan, 12. At defensive tackle, again, 54 snaps total in the game. At Oliver, 34 of them. Daquan Jones, 28. Jordan Phillips, 23. Tim Settle, 18. Uh, remember, uh, Puna Ford was inactive for this game, and you had Kingsley Jonathan active. At linebacker, uh, 
Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano played 47 snaps. Tyrell Dotson and Doria Williams played seven each at the end of the game. At corner, uh, Christian Benford played all 54 snaps. Trey White played 47. Dane Jackson, seven. Taron Johnson, 47 snaps. And Saran Neal, seven. Then at safety, Jordan Poyer, 47 snaps. Micah Hyde, 44. Taylor Rapp, 10. So that Taylor Rapp role that was a thing in week one has really not been a thing since. I mean, he's only coming in for late game situations when the Bills are ahead. And then uh, Cam Lewis played seven snaps. Real quick on studs and duds. Uh, my studs this week, A.J. Epinesa, Terrell Bernard, Micah Hyde, Trey White, Leonard Floyd, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Stefan Diggs, and Tyler Bass. I think all of those guys balled out. Uh, no duds this week. I mean, you won 37-3. to I thought about Gabe Davis, and I thought about Matt Milano for duds, but wasn't uh, wasn't anything that cost them in the grand scheme of things for this game, but certainly don't think either of them played their best ball game. So again, studs, Epinesa, Bernard, Hyde, White, Floyd, Oliver, Daquan Jones, Stefan Diggs, and Tyler Bass. All right, folks, tomorrow on the podcast is herd mentality, and then we're going to start talking about those Miami Dolphins who just scored 70 points against the Denver Broncos, and I'll share all my thoughts about them and what I think the keys are for the Bills to beat them. Looking forward to crossover Thursday with Kyle Krabs. So a lot of, a lot of content, a lot of important conversations here as the Bills have a early season match against the Miami Dolphins, a divisional game that feels really important. So we're going to break that down for you the rest of the week. Don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it. If you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast, have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.